Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is a HeadGum Podcast. This is Emily, Henley, and Sammy. And you're listening to Too Scary Didn't Watch. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Too Scary Didn't Watch, the horror movie recap podcast for those too scared to watch for themselves. I'm Emily, and I am too scared to watch scary movies. I'm Henley, and I'm also too scared to watch scary movies. I'm Sammy, and I love watching scary movies. And so I watch them so that you don't have to. We have a long-anticipated one this week. (laughs) (laughs) Or at least I have been anticipating it. (laughs) Yeah. You guys scared. Maybe not so much. Oh boy. I gotta say, I tripped myself up just now doing the intro because I was thinking about how Henley always gets tripped up <laughs> doing the intro. Oh, so so hard. And as so I started hard. getting through it, I was like, Do I remember what I'm saying? You can't, I did, you can't think too hard about it. That's the trick. You can't you just gotta say it. You just gotta yep. say it. That's why I could never be a professional athlete is because that, that <laughs> that's why ins- that's literally the only reason. I mean, obviously, yeah. the natural skill is there, but like the instinct, yeah, people are begging you, trying to recruit you, left banging down your door. <laughs> what people might not know about me is that I'm seven and a half feet tall. Um, <laughs> How would they know? They would have no way of knowing. But truly like that is what actually would always trip me up playing sports growing up is that I would get in my head. I'd be like, I actually don't know how to catch this lacrosse ball. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Even though oh, I've boy. done it a million yeah. times, yeah. that instinct doesn't kick in. I'm feeling this right now with I'm learning Spanish, taking little, uh, mm. doing little audio Spanish lessons. And I overthink mm. everything to the point that it, I speak so slowly. <laughs> Whereas <laughs> only when it starts to like feel more natural and you relax a bit, I feel like is when it feels like you're actually learning it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyways, did anything scary happen to us this week? Um. Well, I graduated mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. I graduated from my program, which is cool. But that, I mean, that wasn't scary. That was cool. But but my parents came to visit for that. And when parents visit, you do a lot of stuff in your city that you like wouldn't normally otherwise do. You know. Yeah. Um. Which one of those things is we went to the La Brea Tar Pit, which I've never been to before. Oh, yes, 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 yes. And you guys, I, I didn't understand. I, I was like, oh, yeah, the La Brea Tar Pits. This is like a, you know, dinosaurs and stuff. It's not dinosaurs. It's um, oh, well, it's megafauna. Of course. Woolly mammoths? What? Big What's animals. The- Woolly mammoths and like big, big bears and saber-toothed cats and stuff. Ooh, saber-toothed cats. Okay, okay. But here's the thing about the La Brea Tar Pits. It's so deeply upsetting. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was horrified. Mm-hmm. Horrified. It's it's just... Wait, set set the scene. Set the scene. For anyone who doesn't live in LA or not, might not be familiar <laughs> okay, with so what they are. It's... It's actually very so tar is just like liquid asphalt basically it's like oil and 
the asphalt and it's just black sticky naturally it comes from substance literally like decay in the ocean yeah that gets pushed up about like because of earthquakes like a little crack forms that it can get like it was like push 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 down low <laughs> and it it, it oozes up anyway so there's a lot of it because la is a like a basin there's a lot of this tar that came up and animals megafauna megafauna would get stuck in it and die a slow horrible death that's awful they would just step through it and not be able to move and die Slowly. Right, because it's not like they're drowning. I mean, a prop they're not maybe drowning. Some got submerged enough to be blessed with a faster death, but for the most part, they're starving to death, right? They're starving to death, just stuck. <gasps> some things would try to come and eat them while they're like and stuck. Those oh things get stuck, probably. And then those <laughs> things so there's like a ton of dire wolves because dire wolves would come and try to eat the animals that were stuck in the tar, and then they would get stuck in the tar, and then they'd all just die stuck in the tar. Oh my god. It's so fucking crazy that it's like, oh, let's go to the little bright turpins. And it's like, this is so, so sad. Yeah. And so gnarly. I just didn't un- like I think I thought that the tar had buried a lot of fossilized remains that like we found that the fossils there were like they'd been covered by the tar and and then we found them but no 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 the fossilized remains are there because the tar killed so many things also it's key that they weren't drowning i mean i I think i always thought that they weren't drowning i always thought it was a quick death as well no like like and like a quicksand type thing that pulls you all the way under right yeah no no right and okay also there's like all these little placards that explain like here's the animals that we mostly found at this you know part of the tar and here's what and all these little quips about like this you know this bird could fly 35 miles an hour not fast enough to escape the tar <laughs> like it was just talking about uh, just like trying to make roasting a all of these animals <laughs> for fucking dying in tar and then there's a the sculpture of at one of the tar pits of some elephants maybe they're woolly mammoths i think they're elephants um and it's a mom elephant Stuck in the tar. Oh my fucking and god. On the shore, another elephant and a baby elephant scree I seriously screaming. Screaming for <laughs> oh their god. mom that's dying. Oh like I, I wouldn't think <laughs> you'd know how to make it look like an elephant is screaming in agony, but it, they, oh these elephants are. And it's like what the fuck? Why would we? Why are we doing this? And it's like uh, mostly children coming to these mostly children correct? running around. <laughs> like I just I couldn't fucking believe. I it. remember going as a kid and having a great time because I couldn't conceptualize of the enormity of of that yet, and was just like, ooh, like cool animals yeah. and like a a mother screaming for her child and a child screaming for their mother and like watching her die slowly and not being able to get at her and maybe wolves come and try to eat her and then they also die and it's just like I couldn't believe I I like (laughs) yeah I was really very very shocked that more people aren't upset by this upset about the La Brea Tar Pits and upset (laughs) about that fucking elephant sculpture I need to find out who did it send them a strongly worded letter no, this is not okay. 
Anyway, fucking La Brea Tar Pits, man. Life is scary. Why do we do this? Why is all of the art or entertainment that is created for children literally just fetishizing parental death and <laughs> in a variety of ways? I can't say I've noticed that, but I could see why you would. No, it's like every every like Disney movie. I mean, every all, Disney movie every starts se- with a parent dying. Oh, it's it's everything. Parents are dying left and right. We especially love to see it in animals, but it for sure happens in human Disney movies too. Mm-hmm. Where like they're or- orphans. The key yeah, to success. Lot of orphans. I think so many orphans. Probably just in a story to a way to get them on their own journey. Maybe. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Parents really get in the way of having adventures. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and growth. And yeah, they're real problematic um, for sure. But it is funny how you're inundated with that as a child and it doesn't really like start to hit home until you're a parent and you're like, wait, this is actually right. really upsetting. But as a kid, you're like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Like, cool. Oh my God. Yes, you're saying it's good for that baby elephant that its mom right, died right. in tar. Now that baby elephant can go on his own that, journey. It's going to go on a fun little journey. The <laughs> hero's journey of self actualization. Making friends with the bear. And, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure that's I don't know. like what the land before time is about. I mean, were they orphans? I feel like a I lot of them don't remember. probably had tragic parents, tragic die. backstories. Absolutely. I can't remember. But anyway. Well, speaking of yep. LA landmarks, a newer LA landmark, I went to Erewhon yesterday. Ooh. <laughs> Not for the first time. Did you spend $800? I've, I don't think I've ever shopped at an Erewhon. Um, I'm pretty near an Erewhon and I have successfully mm-hmm. avoided going there because it's just kind of out of my normal walking path and so I I am able to ignore it. For those of you who don't know, Erewhon is a very expensive, fancy mm-hmm. uh market grocery store type place. It's like it like kind of outlandishly expensive. However expensive you're thinking it's like it is. Crazier than Whole Foods, like double Whole it's, Foods. You're prices. wrong. It's <laughs> it's yeah, it's actually very funny. I find it very you funny when like I forty dollars on celery water. <laughs> you would get like a gallon of celery yes. water; it'd be forty five dollars. Package nuts are like thirty seven. If you did a regular shopping visit, like getting all of your standard groceries that you needed there, how much do you think it would be? Like four hundred dollars, five hundred easily. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, probably. I think so. genuinely. Um, mm-hmm. So, anyways, yeah, I've I've successfully avoided it because I'm scared of what it means that it's literally like two blocks from me and what that could mean for me in my financial situation if I am aware mm-hmm. of that fact all the time. I do wonder if it's like, I mean, there's a ceiling for how good package nuts can be, but I, I do wonder sometimes. <laughs> I'm like, well, is it? Gets it be worth best it? Might be worth thing. it. So what's the verdict, well, Tammy? Yeah, someone got me a gift card for my birthday, so I was like, I better, better go use that, check it out. I am going to get a smoothie. They're kind of famous for their smoothies. Right. They're strawberry mm, smoothies. Haley Bieber's strawberry glaze. What was the price tag on that smoothie? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. $20. It's a $20 smoothie. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And honestly, not as crazy as thought. It's not as crazy as I thought. And herein lies the scary part. It was so good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's for a reason. And now, yeah, I feel like yeah. I've broken the seal in a way that's like now I know yeah, now you know that it's there and twenty dollars yeah that's expensive for a smoothie but it's not like 
He's not going to kill you if you do it every once in a while. He's not going to kill me if I do it every once in a while, but that's how it starts. And it's a slippery slope. Yeah, this is how it starts. And um, I got a smoothie that had some coffee in it and I don't usually drink coffee. And so that was extra. Like I was fucking soaring Mm. all day long, like (laughs) on top of the world, just having a beautiful day thanks to this delicious smoothie. And I'm just scared for what this means for me. Well, see, now I'm like, I guess I have to try that smoothie. I'm curious. I got the activated, the activated smoothie. Now I might go get it. I remember it was good. Also, I feel like my brain is broken for what things cost. I I don't know what things should cost anymore. Something about like the pandemic. I don't know. I just like I did a lot of like ordering in. And so now I'm like, yeah, I mean, a pint of ice cream is twenty five dollars because you would like (laughs) order it and be like, well, that's how much it costs. And there's nothing to be done about it. But I, there's a smoothie place that I really love in Los Feliz called Punch Bowl that yep. makes great smoothies. And I, when I lived in Los Feliz, was a while ago, I was in my early 20s. And so uh, it was like their smoothies are like $14, like 12 to 12 to $14. And at the time I was like, that's insane. I would yeah. never, never get smoothies there, even though I love their smoothies so much. And the other day, Joel and I went back and I was like, oh, only $12, $14. That's that's pretty great. Like I thought I like in my <laughs> head, deal. like I had like reframed. I don't know. And we were both like really honestly pretty reasonable for these smoothies. Well, truly inflation in the past decade has just in the past uh, couple years. That's the thing. I was like, Punchbowl hasn't raised their prices. Okay. That's a cheap smoothie now. Yeah. And they're really good. But now I'm going to have to try a $20 smoothie. I have no choice in the matter. I'm going to try the fucking Haley Bieber one. And luckily, you don't have to say Haley Bieber's name when you order it, because that's what I was nervous <laughs> of. And that's why I didn't order it. Can I have <laughs> the Haley Bieber smoothie drink, please? So I was like, I'll die before I ask for the Haley Bieber smoothie. That's so But funny. it's called the Strawberry Glaze. So you can order it like as if you don't even know it's the Haley Bieber <gasps> Haley who? I'll have the Strawberry Glaze, please. <laughs> oh, the what? Haley Bieber drinks Who's this? Who's that? Huh. <laughs> I'm familiar. Oh. I'm very rich and I would just like the regular smoothie, please. Mm, <laughs> I just wanted some strawberry with hyaluronic acid in it, please. Oh my god, that's Is it crazy. good to drink hyaluronic acid? Like I guess. I don't know. It must be. Man. So yeah, pray for me. <laughs> pray I for will. your wallet. Pray for you. Pray for my wallet. Henley. Henley. Um, What's up? So I am probably the scary thing is that I'm probably moving soon, um, which is going to be so much work. Not to LA. Not to LA, unfortunately. Whatever. Not to To an undisclosed location. To an undisclosed location. Keep a secret. Keep a secret. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want anyone to know, but I am moving. It's not that far away. But um, okay, giving clues. Giving clues. It's not that far away. It's still on the East Coast. It could be described as not too far away from the New York (laughs) metropolitan area. Um. But we are going to be doing that in like six weeks, I suppose. And um, we had a really serendipitous thing happen where someone we know was living in the same location, had a bunch of furniture available for free. And and I was like, oh, great. We definitely want this furniture, this free furniture. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. However, we can't move into our new place for a while. So we have to get a storage unit. We like had to figure that out. I was trying to get movers. This was all happening super last minute. Couldn't find movers that would work in the time frame that we needed. 
So I'm pregnant, you know, and then we also couldn't get childcare for Silas. So I was like, how are Tim and I going to move all this furniture with Silas? Hmm. I don't know how the fuck we're going to do that. So Tim just sends out a message to his friends being like, is anyone available? Leo, this is really just a big shout out to our friend Leo, who fucking Leo, Leo, Hi, Leo. literally, Hell yeah. I don't know how to repay you because Leo woke up. A shout out. I think a podcast shout yeah, out. I think, that's I, I think he just did it. If I think now, um, he owes you. That's pretty huge. Yeah. I think Leo pay up. He got up at like 6 a.m., took the subway up to from Brooklyn all the way up to Washington Heights. Then he drove with us to this place. Silas, let me remind you, gets ferociously carsick so mm. had to deal with silas also throwing up a bunch in the car <laughs> us pulling over stripping him in a lowe's parking lot like spraying him down <laughs> cleaning oh. out the car seat this is just our lives now you know it's like we're mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. but leo's just leo's like cleaning out the car seat too like he's like oh. right in there helping what us so guy. much and then he helped move all the furniture into oh well first he helped us pick up the u-haul drive the u-haul then move the furniture into the u-haul then go get our storage unit move the furniture into the like the storage location then take an el- use an elevator to bring it up to our storage like it was a multi-step long process mm. and leo just fucking just what a good guy so happy guy. so positive so like down to do it i mean really i was just so impressed i was really impressed by his like good-natured positive energy flowing into the world thank you leo That's very nice thank you leo You're it's the best. Fr- it's friends like these that really just make the world go around you know we wouldn't have been mm. able to do it without him and we would have you know been totally fucked so we had lobster rolls afterwards which were pretty good and i feel like that was a good nice little Mm. thing the listeners are are doing the doing the math here lobster rolls they have lobster rolls there's a lobster roll option (laughs) it's a big day it was a big day but we couldn't have done without leo and leo god bless you truly god bless you leo God bless you, Leo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to all the Leos out there, mm-hmm. to anyone who's ever helped their friends move, God thank bless you. you. God bless you. Moving is so hard. It's Moving so is hard. So it hard. sucks. It sucks so bad. And each time you're like dreading it, and it's always even worse than you remember it being. Yeah, it's honestly like true. It's so bad. Well, now on to something we'll, we're a little less grateful for, or you'll be a little less grateful for, possibly. Maybe not. I'm grateful for it. But it's this week's movie, which is Videodrome. I can't believe we're finally doing this. I know. We've been talking about it for a long time. It's been a big summer so far. I know. We are like, it's like we got a week off, week right back on, week right back into it. Oh, I will just quickly tell the listeners, people who listen to our checking episode that just came out, I did order a couple Emily Henry books. Oh, nice. Excited for them. Real, I might need to start reading one right after this episode. Yeah, that'll be a good um, palate cleanser. Uh, Videodrome came out in 1983. Uh, So this year was its 40th anniversary. 
It was written and directed by David Cronenberg, starring James Woods, Debbie Harry, Peter Dvorsky, and Leslie Carlson. And it's available to rent for $3.99. Is this our second Cronenberg movie? No, third. We did Crimes of the Future and The Fly. Yeah, third. Which were pretty um, benign. All things considered. The fly? I hated the fly. The fly no, was you guys not did not benign. like the fly. Uh, yeah, you're right, I guess. But I no, still the fly was awful. The fly is devastating. It's absolutely devastating. Crimes of the Future was easy, easier. Yeah. Henley, you're remembering it wrong. <laughs> I just remember <laughs> thinking that it was I just Crimes of the Future was pretty fun. I just remember having a good time doing the fly. So I think that's I don't that, think that's the only feelings that I have. That's true. Henley, your memory is wrong. <laughs> I might not have liked the movie itself, but I had a good time doing the episode. Do you know what I mean? Okay. 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 That's nice. You, you'll accept I think that? I you'll had accept a bad that answer? Time. <laughs> I'll accept it, but I disagree. Because we talked so much about your experience with, um, Gold, what's his name? Goldberg. What's his Goldblum? name? Goldblum. With Goldberg. 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 <laughs> Goldberg. What's his Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldberg. <laughs> and anything, any conversation regarding Jeff Goldblum, I fucking will enjoy. So. I mean, he's the, he's the best. I love him a lot. Um, but yeah, listeners, if you've heard those two episodes, you'll know that my Cronenberg knowledge is, uh, started pretty slim. I haven't seen a ton of Cronenberg movies and, um, I'm trying to right that wrong. And so I'm trying to do a little Cronenberg binging. I just watched Eastern Promises as well, mm. which was great. And we've done two Brandon Cronenbergs, right? Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Keep yeah. it in the fam. Possession and Infinity Pool are directed by his... Our possessor. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Possessor. Possessor. We've done a lot of... Oh, my God. Possessor, possession, and the possession. The possession. So many. What the heck? <laughs> Give me a break. Find some new letters. Yeah. That's get, getting confusing. Um, but I still have a lot of Cronenberg to watch. I'm excited to watch more, especially after this one, which I think was my favorite one <gasps> this far. I Ooh. loved this movie. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. It's great. Okay. All I know is that people ask for it a lot, and um, that always makes me nervous. <laughs> me too. Yeah. I feel like there's certainly stuff you're not going to like, but I think overall, I feel optimistic that you guys I'll like might, it better than The Fly. Might also like this one. Yeah, you'll definitely like it better than The Fly. Okay. Uh, Videodrome has an 80% on Rotten Tomatoes, 60% on Metacritic, and a 7.2 on IMDb. Okay. Okay. Budget was. Five point nine million, and it made two point one million. Hmm. Or should I say, lost? <laughs> yeah, yeah we should say what it lost. Three point yeah. eight million. Um, so yeah, it was a flop at the box office, and this was Cronenberg's first studio film. Uh, prior to this, he had done only independent independent films. I think Scanners is what he had done right before this, and so this was financed by Universal Pictures. And it was, yeah, not a hit at the box office, but obviously has gone on to be a cult classic. It has stood the test of time. Uh, it's in the Criterion Collection and it's it feels, we'll talk about this more at the end, I guess, but it feels more relevant today than it probably mm. did at the time. Uh, it's got the same special effects artist as... An American Werewolf in London, Rick oh, Baker. Okay, uh, Cronenberg, obviously known for a lot of body horror and and practical effects. And we, when we did American Werewolf in London, that was something we talked about as well. Was how good those 
special effects were. Um, and he brought a lot of the same crew that he worked on American Werewolf in London with onto this film because that was just um, a year or two before. And I mean, no surprise. It looks fucking great. These practical effects. Absolutely incredible. Mm. Um, and again, after Scanners, his movie before this, George Lucas had actually offered David Cronenberg the chance to direct Star Wars, The Return of the Jedi. Oh my God. And Cronenberg was getting ready to make this movie. And so he turned it down, which Whoa. I love. That is a really fun fact. Yeah, that is a fun fact. Alternate history. What would that movie have been like? I know. I'm curious to see a Cronenberg <laughs> Star Wars movie, but also I like that he's he knows his he knows his vibe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's like, I want to make video drum instead. Himself. Yeah. yeah, I think I'm going to make video drum. Yeah, I think I'm going to lose three point eight billion dollars. <laughs> million. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Million. Uh, and the initial concept of Videodrome came to David Cronenberg when he was a child. Mm. His TV would pick up signals from Buffalo, New York. Um, Cronenberg is Canadian. And, oh, it says, yeah, would pick up signals from Buffalo, New York in the middle of the night after the Canadian station stopped broadcasting for the day. And he used to worry that the airwaves would pick up something that he wasn't meant to see. Oh, wow. Scary. That is scary. It would be very scary if your TV started just like coming on with things. Right. Things you you weren't expecting to see. It's like when I was sleeping over at a friend's house and I didn't know where her remote was and we fell asleep with the TV on and I woke up in the middle of the night and it was um, MTV's True true Life and it was True Life I'm into S&M and I was so scared and I couldn't fall back to sleep and there was nothing I could do. There was nothing I could do about it. That's really funny. And it was like a scary house. She was really rich and her house was really big and so I also didn't want to like leave the room because I was scared. So kind of the same. Yeah, I mean, that sound that it is kind of the I same. I guess I could have written video drum. <laughs> I was going to say it <laughs> is kind of the same. 5th, 20 years after it <laughs> came out. Yeah. Video drum 2. <laughs> video drum 2. Um, Cause this is also um, horny. Obviously I feel like obviously likes a little sex, sex and violence horniness mixing of the two i feel like that's pretty on brand for him so a little snm late night video could easily be in this movie could have done it kind of is um so on that note should we take a peek (laughs) at this trailer yes why would anybody watch a scum show like video drone why did you watch it max business reasons sure what about the other reasons Ren is a victim. I woke up with a headache. He has been exposed to Videodrome. I've been hallucinating for a while, ever since... What? Since I first saw Videodrome. His brain is already receiving video images. I think that massive doses of Videodrome signal will ultimately produce and control hallucination. To the point that it will change human reality. Soon, his visions will coalesce and become uncontrollable flesh. Videodrome is seducing Max Wren. Please, call me. 
Come to me now. Come to Nikki. And Max Wren can do nothing to stop it. What makes you think I need help? None of our test subjects has returned to normality. Television can change your mind. Videodrome will change your body. Long live the new flesh. Videodrome. Videodrome. Starring Deborah Harry and James Woods. Coming soon to a theater near you. That was the slowest paced trailer I've ever watched. <laughs> really? Oh, I think it's so crazy. <laughs> I, 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 it is, but I just found myself being like, okay, and then? And the voiceover, the narrator guy is so 80s. Yeah, the 80s trailer. Videodrome. Videodrome. I also really liked the like little voices at the beginning, like, why did you watch it? Business reasons. <laughs> Business reasons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this feels, uh, um, Sammy, to your point earlier, definitely more relevant now. Um, we Our technology just keeps inching closer to it being inside of our heads instead of outside of our heads. Yeah. What's the thing that was... Have you guys been looking at this? What was just released by... Was it Facebook or that... Oh, oh the, the new glasses? Yeah, the new glasses or you... Just sit at home and you put the headset on and it's like a huge... I don't, I don't understand it. I don't, I don't either. either. I saw pictures of it and didn't read further into it, except that people are talking about it, that it's the perfect entertainment for the next pandemic <laughs> when everyone's just stuck at home and you want mm -hmm. full immersive entertainment. I mean, we have VR headsets that does yeah. exist. That's why I'm confused why this is a big deal. Yeah. It's because I'm like, doesn't this already exist? I was going to buy one and I got nervous that I would never do anything else. Like, they're really fun. And I they bet. are really fun. And I've never done it's it. really engaging. Like, it actually genuinely feels like you can be anywhere else. I did one that, sorry, Emily, you're going to really hate this, but it was at in the ocean like surrounded by sharks but it's like it was like a learning thing and so it wasn't like scary it would have been scary for you but it yeah. was like as if you're diving with sharks and you just like get to look at them swimming above you it was so cool i really loved it wow i mean it, look it doesn't sound far off from like i love to put on a like ambiance youtube video right. and sit in my home and pretend like if mm -hmm. i could actually be like i would love to just be like in the woods right now and i could just yeah feel like i That's, was in the there's woods on the vr things one of the reasons or one of the apps i looked into as i was like researching if i wanted to get it was a meditation app where you can be literally like in on a mountain top um and it's like playing soothing sounds to you and you get to like sit as if you're meditating on the top of a mountain like that's very cool, but also kind of counter. It's awesome. Although I do feel like definitely your brain isn't getting the meditative benefits if you're like surrounded by. I'm not sure, but I know that when I did one, I did a VR game where you walk a plank on the top of a, a building, like a high rise building and your brain for sure. I at least like for sure registered it as I was in danger, like mortal danger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did the same thing. I did the exact. I did. Um, It was. Uh, uh, I went to this really weird VR um, convention kind of by accident one time <laughs> and um, I did all these demos and one of the demos was someone running across the top of a building and then jumping off of a high-rise building <gasps> and I felt like I was jumping off of a high-rise building. My it body was, completely I had like a full like it. yeah like I was like trembling. Mm -hmm. It's wild the because mm -hmm. your brain <laughs> that just like makes those images <laughs> real. me of um just uh, season three of I think you oh should leave God. which on, on the whole isn't a great 
isn't my favorite of the seasons, but there is one where he puts on a VR headset and <laughs> stops breathing <laughs> because he doesn't know how to make the body move. <laughs> what? Oh, so he's really like silly. dying while wearing his VR headset because he stops breathing in real life. God, it was funny. It's a funny one. That one is good. Anyway, but yeah, those, it's freaky. That's the that's the type of questions this movie is asking. It's the bleakest time of the year, so you know what that means. We deserve to get cozy on the couch, rewatch our favorite TikTok videos, and drink a goddamn glass of wine. If you ever struggle to pick out the right bottle, you will love our next sponsor, Naked Wines. Did you know that when you buy wine today, most of the money goes to things like fancy packaging, big budget marketing campaigns, and tax? That is crazy. Naked Wines is a subscription service that seamlessly connects you to the finest independent winemakers on the planet, so you get a box of the market's best quality wines however often you'd like for a fraction of the price. And hold on to your butts, you guys, because the deal they have for you is insane. Just wait. So how do they do it? Naked Wines connects winemakers and wine drinkers directly, allowing for vineyard-to-door delivery at up to 60% off what you would normally pay in a store. By cutting out the traditional retail middleman costs and markups, winemakers can pass those savings on to you without skimping on quality. I can't stop talking about Naked Wines. I love that their quiz matches you with bottles that you love, and each shipment includes wines they recommend based on your previous ratings. I'm currently loving their organic options, especially the Chris Condos Cabernet from Mendocino County, and they've been around for 10 years, and they fund over 90 independent winemakers. So with no commitments or membership fees, you can enjoy Naked Wines hassle-free. And the best part, every bottle is a passion project from an independent winemaker, so you're literally making an independent winemaker's dream come true. So head to nakedwines.com slash too scary and enter voucher in the top right when you get to the website and put in too scary for both the code and password to get six bottles of wine for just $39.99 with shipping included. That's $100 off and less than $7 per bottle. So that's nakedwines.com slash too scary and use the code and password too scary and grab six bottles for just $39.99. One last time, that's nakedwines.com slash too scary code and password too scary for $100 off your first six bottles. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the Metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Um, interesting. So, shall we get into it? Let's do it. So, we start with a very 80s looking TV logo, it's Civic TV, not to be confused with Cord Cobb TV. <laughs> uh, and its tagline for this TV station is the one you take to bed with you. So, already it's like this getting a little too close to our TVs and our protagonist, Max Wren, this is um, James Woods. 
basically uses the TV as an alarm clock. And so some, uh, mm. it, something pops on to wake him up in the morning. It's a pre-recorded video that his secretary makes for him, basically saying, good morning, uh, your meeting is at this time and here's what your day looks like. And it's like dark in his appointment and it's just illuminated by the light, like bright light of the TV. Feels really gross. Like already I'm in like a gross, like... His apartment's really messy, too. He wakes up and eats pizza, which is fine. And that's great. But it's mm -hmm. like, I don't know, just like it's, it feels Cronenberg. It feels like mm -hmm. the set design is mm -hmm. uh, feeling unpleasant. Like maybe we don't want to be in this real world all the yes. time. And maybe a TV world looks a little more appealing. Yes. Mm -hmm. So he goes to his first meeting of the day. We find out he is the head of uh Civic TV or, or a TV station on Civic TV. Now I can't remember, but um, he basically is the president of choosing programming for a specific channel. And the channel that he is in charge of plays mostly softcore porn or like extremely violent media. So he's going to a meeting to uh, with someone, a potential person who has a show for the channel they're pitching they have tapes that they're showing him and it's like uh pornographic and he's kind of saying that it's not pornographic enough it's too soft but he takes it and he's pitching it to his other partners at uh his company and they're all kind of saying the same thing like they want something gnarlier something to break through something tough that mm, well so he goes to um, this guy, Harlan, who works for him. And Harlan works as a uh, someone who pirates media. So he's like using satellites to try to pick up any other signals to see if they can rip anything salacious from from somewhere else. And he does pick up a signal. And he says, I got something for you. I've got 53 seconds of this footage from... I think Malaysia, I'm not sure, but like based on uh, where I think the signal's coming from, it could be there. And he plays it and it essentially looks like a snuff film. It's like a naked woman being murdered. It doesn't show the murder, but she it's, it looks like a like a torture uh, type oh, great. film. Like she's being held up against a wall and sprayed with water and she's screaming and he's Max is like nodding his head like, yeah, this is looking more <laughs> like oh, like the kind of programming I'm uh, like, really, this is really edgy, pushing the limits, pushing the boundaries. So he's happy with this, that they found this. And he's like, OK, record this. Let's see. Um, he's maybe going to pitch it to the rest of the um, heads of the company to see if they can play this on their channel. And then we cut to him on a talk show. He's been booked as a guest on a talk show, the Rena King talk show. And other, the other guests on the panel are radio personality, Nikki Brand. This is Debbie Harry and media prophet, Brian Oblivion. <laughs> and they're basically having a discussion about the state of media today. Rena King, the host is asking Max, like she seems somewhat disgusted by him and his channel and is saying, you know, your station offers softcore porn and hardcore violence. Like, why would you want to do that? Why would you ever choose this 
uh, to be broadcast to the world. And he basically says it's it's economic. It's a business decision. You know, people are watching. There is demand for it. And she's asking about the potential dangers of this. And what if seeing violent images makes people do violent things? A conversation we're all very familiar with. And he his take on it is that he's offering uh, a place like an outlet for people to release those types of violent thoughts. And he's like, it's actually keeping society safer, having something that can contain those thoughts. I, again, like a debate that's like still relevant today. And we've all heard that debate over and over, but I'm, I'm assuming at the time this was kind of a newer conversation. So, uh, Nikki Brand is asked to respond to this, to his views. And she says, you know, we live in a state of overstimulation and we always want more, 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 and we're pushing it further and further and further. And I personally think that that's bad. <laughs> and Max says, well, uh, why did you wear that dress? <gasps> what the fuck? And uh, she says, excuse me. And he basically says, that's a very overstimulating dress. Uh, <gasps> it's red. You know what Freud would say about that. Oh, my and God. Get yourself under control. <laughs> I know. It's very aggressive. And she actually kind of smiles and she says, I'll admit it. Uh, I also uh, seek overstimulation and I'm, I'm a part of this society as well. And I feel those urges as well. And... He says, well, I'd love to take you out to dinner tonight. And they start kind of flirting. Camera pans away from them. The host now asks Mr. Brian Oblivion, the media prophet, uh, his thoughts. And or, or she asks, do erotic and violent TV shows lead to desensitization and dehumanization? And he basically says the television screen has become the retina and he's basically talking about a world, he's like saying it's inevitable and the world, the lines are blurring between uh, TV and reality. And it's just important that we like stay on the front lines type of thing. And he says, for example, Oblivion is not my real name, obviously. And he's like, it's my TV name. And soon we will all have names that we go by for it's like specific to the screen. And this really, this line just really stuck out to me because of, um, you know, like usernames and screen names, mm -hmm. which were after this. Mm -hmm. And so just feels very, it's like predicting some things here accurately. Uh, then the host turns back to Nikki and says, is Max Wren a menace to society as he's like, relentlessly hitting on her and she says well he's certainly a menace to me <laughs> great and then hard cut back to max is with harlan again there's been a new broadcast of this signal that they've picked up on and they've they've see a title card and it says videodrome so they are watching they're now referring to this program as videodrome and he's watching it again. It's looking the same. It's a new new person now, another woman being killed. And uh, Max is looking at it saying, oh, my God, it's like so realistic. Where where the hell did they get these actors? And oh, yeah, we're obviously like mm -hmm, actors. Yeah, that's <laughs> sure, that's, sure. That's actors. Of course, of course. 
uh, Harlan has now pinpointed the location a little further. And he's like, it's not from Malaysia. I was wrong. It's from Pittsburgh. So after after that, he goes to pick up um, Nikki for their date because she's agreed to the date and they go back to his place and she's thumbing through his VHS tapes and asks if he's got any porno. He's laughing and she's like, what? It turns me on like that's what I want to watch. And she finds Videodrome, a la- tape labeled Videodrome. This is the first this is the first thing they're doing on their date. <laughs> yeah, but it kind of seems like they've known each other before. Right. It would be my guess was that they've probably have some sort of a history that we weren't okay. aware okay. of since they're in the same industry and seems like they're both pretty big in, in the industry. That's kind of how I read it. I'm not positive, but. I would guess that this isn't actually their very first date. So she puts it, she pops in Videodrome and he's like, oh, that's like torture and murder. It's not exactly sex. She looks at him and she says, says who? Oh my God. (laughs) And let's remember, let's remember Crimes of the Future, which is obviously a later film, but it's kind of giving me that vibe as well, where David Cronenberg likes to tie this um, mm-hmm. pain and sexual pleasure together uh, in that way. And so... Just like the sadomasochist from hell. That's right. Oh my god, if Pinhead did a little crossover. I would love a crossover <laughs> here if Pinhead just showed up. Would Perfect. Yep. Yep. I'd love that. Um, she... They're sitting on the couch together watching Videodrome and she's saying it's turning her on and she asks him to cut on her shoulder and we see that there are already some cuts there and he basically says somebody's beat me to it and it's sexy they're but they're like flirting with the idea of hurting each other but both like very into it she she asks him if he wants to try a few things and we cut to them rolling around on the floor and he is piercing her ears with a needle as they're being intimate. I don't know if they're having sex, but they're getting off on the ear piercing is Mm -hmm. the main thing. And as they're doing this, he looks up and it seems as if they're in the room of Videodrome for a moment, like the setting that we've seen on the TV where people are being tortured. It's this red, reddish room. And it seems like we're in there as he's like moaning in pleasure, piercing her ears. Great. Next day, he's back in the office at work and this woman named Masha comes in. That's again, pitching some porn for the channel. Uh, Seems like someone he works with a lot that sources uh, various shows for him to potentially play and he again is like it's not intense enough I don't I don't know like this is too vanilla <laughs> and basically asks her if she's heard about Videodrome she hasn't and so he asks her if he could track if she can track it down she says okay I'll, I'll see I'll talk to my contacts that night and Nikki comes over again and they're hooking up again and she's seductively burning herself with cigarettes. He's oh trying boy. to tell her to stop, but she's clearly enjoying herself. And she tells him that she's going out of town tomorrow and that she's going to go to Pittsburgh. <laughs> People love Pittsburgh. <laughs> well, she's she knows that Videodrome 
is made there. And so she says she feels like she was made for Videodrome. She's like, I'm an audition. I want to be on Videodrome. What? Um, <sighs> so she leaves. And then the next day, Masha comes back with some new information. She's asked around about Videodrome and she now seems scared. And she says, tells Max, like, you got to leave Videodrome alone. Uh, it's dangerous. It's it's not acting. It's for real. These are basically, yes, it's snuff TV. And he doesn't know what she's talking about. He's asking more questions. And she says, he says, is it mafia or something? And she says, no, but it's political and they have a philosophy and that's what makes it dangerous. And so she's telling him to stay away. And we kind of get the sense that he's still going to poke around a bit. He's still curious. Yeah. Especially now that his like girl, he's yeah. a woman he's dating has gone to audition for a real, he has that personal stake in it now as well, that he needs to know what the hell's going on with Videodrome. And he says, who did you talk to? Like, give me some sort of person I can find out more from. And she gives him the name Brian Oblivion. Mm. And she says he knows more about it. You can ask him. So he tracks down uh, a location that he thinks Brian Oblivion is at, but instead meets his daughter there, uh, Bianca Oblivion. And so he goes to her office upstairs and she basically tells him that she's trying to help run her father's um, he'll enact his his vision, which was to completely replace every aspect of real life with TV. He says he needs to speak to uh, her father and she says he only communicates through videotapes now. Like, you'll have to give me a message and I'll give you a videotape in whatever your format is. His preferred monologue, his preferred communication is monologuing through videotapes and so what format do you want yours on? And he says, Videodrome. And she says, she's not heard of that. And he says, no, just tell him Videodrome. He's going to want to have an actual conversation with me about that. And leaves her with that. He goes home and he gets he gets a gun out. So it's clear he's, he knows he's in some dark territory now. It could be dangerous. He's been told it's dangerous. And so so he's getting his gun out, getting prepared. His secretary arrives at his apartment with the videotape that she makes for his morning alarm uh, to give to him for the next day. And as she's setting the tapes down, she sees Videodrome and she goes, oh, Videodrome, what's this? And is going to pick it up and he lunges at her and grabs it from her hand is like don't touch that like way uh gets really scary really quickly and then slaps her and then as it's as he slaps her it turns into nikki and he slaps her again and it turns back into the secretary and he's like shaking her and he's like ah it's just like so bad so bad you can't watch that and she looks scared but not as if she's just been hit like she's She's like, are you okay? Like, is everything okay? And he's shaking his head and looking all confused. And he says, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I don't know what's happening. Like, I didn't mean to hit you. And she looks at him confused. She's like, you didn't hit me. And he's like, 
no, no, of course I didn't hit you. I would never hit you. Like, that's crazy. Like, of course I didn't. (laughs) Um, So again, we're seeing now the line, the lines between reality and uh, Mm -hmm. it's blurring a bit. And she tells him she brought a, a tape straight from Brian Oblivion and was told to give it to him directly. So that's another tape she's delivering is Brian Oblivion's response. She leaves and he pulls out the tape that Brian gave him and he's holding it in his hand. And as he looks at it, it starts pulsing as if it's breathing mm-hmm. and it scares him. He drops it and then it, it returns back to a normal videotape he pops it in and we get a little monologue again from brian oblivion where he's saying the battle for the mind of north america will be fought on the television in the videodrome he's basically saying how we'll spend more and more time watching tv and when your mind sees images they become your reality so therefore television is reality And he's saying your reality is already half video hallucination and it could become total video hallucination. He explains that he had a brain tumor and he had visions and the visions became flesh. And as he's saying this ominous speech, we see someone moving behind him in like a black hood. We can't see their face behind Brian Oblivion in the tape. And it looks like an executioner, like they have like a black Mm. bag over their head and they look like they're preparing weapons, basically. Brian says the tumor was Videodrome. I was Videodrome's first victim. And as he says that, the figure behind him starts strangling him, killing him, and uh, he collapses dead and the person takes the bag off their head and... Or as right before that, um, Max says, what do these people want? What does the Videodrome people want? And the person takes the bag over off of their head and it's Nikki. And she says, I want you. Come to me, Max. And now the whole TV set starts breathing the same way the tape was. All, it's a really cool effect. And the screen zooms into her lips as she's seductively calling out to him. And then the screen starts protruding from the TV set as if it's a balloon. He leans in to kiss the lips and touch the screen and it looks soft. And it was actually the material it's made from is a dental dam. (laughs) But yeah, so this is the kind of famous image from the movie where he sticks his head and hands Mm -hmm. into the screen. And it's like he's kissing the screen and being swallowed by it at the same time. And then we cut away and cut back to Bianca's office. Max storms in and He's saying now Videodrome is is dangerous. Like, what the hell's going on? I've I've been having hallucinations since I first saw Videodrome. And she explains to him again, this is kind of what her father was saying on the tape, was it the signal creates a tumor in the viewer and causes the hallucinations. And so mm-hmm. when you when you expose yourself to or when you're exposed to Videodrome, it's perpetuating these kind of violent hallucinations Mm -hmm. and so he says i need to talk to your father and 
she says he's in he's in this room back here and he starts walking towards it and she says you're going to be disappointed and sure enough he opens the door to the room and it's just thousands of videotapes and she explains that he actually died 11 months ago from the tumor from videodrome she further explains that he helped create videodrome because this blurring of the lines of reality. And obviously that was something he was passionate about and thought was important. And that, that's where we were headed, but he wanted to do it in kind of a, a, a nice way, a metaverse type way, but you know, it's a slippery slope. <laughs> and so when he realized that the partners who he was creating it with wanted to do it or wanted to use it for more malevolent purposes, he tried to stop them and then they, uh, killed him or basically used Videodrome to kill him. So after this, Max goes to Harlan, who he's first saw the Videodrome tapes from. And he's like, Harlan, have you been hallucinating? Harlan says no. And he's like, okay, good. Like, this is like, I don't know what's going on. He goes home and he's sitting on his couch with just a gun gun holster on. He's got pants and a gun holster shirtless. Nice. And he's got his gun in his hand and he's scratching his stomach. He like scratching a spot over and over. And it's got this like long red line forming uh, between his like uh, below his belly button. And oh God. we see Brian Oblivion on the TV again. And... Brian is explaining that, you know, our reality is changing and there's really there's nothing real outside of our perception of reality. And as he's saying Mm -hmm. this, we see Max using his gun now to scratch the, the line on his stomach and the line on his stomach opens up into this big <gasps> slit. Ew, ew, ew. It's very vaginal. <laughs> and it's, he sticks the gun inside of it. Like it's itchy inside. And so he's ew. using the gun to like scratch inside of this gash in his stomach. And then it seems like he's like getting his hand stuck in there and he's trying to pull it out now and he's wrestling around and finally pulls it out and we see his hand his hand is empty. The gun is gone and he looks down and his stomach is back to normal. And he immediately starts looking for the gun in his apartment. Like what just happened? Did I drop the gun? Where is the gun? Can't find the gun anywhere. Uh, so possibly lost the gun inside of his body. Inside of his stomach. <laughs> great, great. Um, I also noticed, I just wanted to call out, he's wearing these very cool leather ballet flats in this scene that I've Ooh, not seen. that's surprising. Yeah, I really liked him. These are cool shoes. So if anyone knows uh, where he got those shoes, let me know. <laughs> that's great. And as he's panicking and searching for the gun, he gets a call from a mystery voice saying, Barry Convex would like to talk to you about Videodrome. There's a car outside. So... Kind of, he's just looking, following clues now at this point and just wants to know more. So he says, okay, goes downstairs, gets in this car that plays a video, a pre-recorded message from Barry Convex, who explains that his company, he's one of the other creators of Videodrome. And he arrives at the office that the front is like a glasses 
store, but it's just a front for his, the true operation of Videodrome and other bad things. Like they sell, I think, weapons illegally. And, uh, but they, and now I kind of can't remember why Max is not scared of this person. <laughs> mm. Um, but he's more just curious about what's going on. And I don't know why he's not like scared, but he's more just following the the trail and goes to talk to Barry Convex to find out what he knows. Barry Convex says that they he helped create Videodrome and that they have a, a machine that will record Max's hallucinations to help him, I guess, differentiate what's a hallucination and what's real. And so I think it's presented under the guise of like, we're going to try to help you get right. back to reality. But really, it's a thing that's going to be more in his head. Right. It like yeah. seems like a bad, bad. idea to me. <laughs> yeah. But he puts on this big helmet thing that looks like a little, little, well, big VR headset. And yeah. they leave him in a, in a room alone and says, okay, it's going to just record your hallucinations. And we see Nikki walks in through the, through the screen within his helmet thing his glasses he sees her walking in and they're basically saying like okay act out your your fantasy your hallucination and so now they're in the videodrome red room again and it's another like sexual setting and nikki um oh god is looking really hot and hands him a whip and he starts whipping her and it's done in this way where it's kind of, it's just hard to tell what's real, what's not, and even what's happening. And he's whipping and then sh Nikki's not there and he's whipping a TV, but on the TV is Masha. And as he's whipping, he gasps awake in his own bed. There's just TV static playing in his room. He kind of smiles like, oh, phew, <laughs> it's just a <laughs> just a dream, I guess. But he rolls oh. over and Masha's dead body is in bed next to him. Oh, Masha. my God. Oh, no. Like with, having been whipped to death with dead? lots of, yes, lashes, <gasps> scars on her backs, wounds on her back. Oh, and he panics and he calls Harlan and he says, Harlan, come over quick. I need your help. Oh, poor Harlan. I know. <laughs> I know. And. And so Harlan arrives as fast as he can and he had told him to bring a camera and he's like, I need you to take a photo of what's in my bed. And he points him to the bedroom and Harlan thinks it's like a sex sexual thing. And he's like, oh, my God, like you wake me up in the middle of the night to do your porn porno photo shoot. And he's like, just look, just go in there. Harlan goes in. There's nothing in here. What are you talking about? Oh, this would be even just like watching it and not knowing what's real. I'm yeah. like, this would be so infuriating and horrifying and just like, Ugh. yeah, I'm stressed. Yeah. And I'm because stressed. you never see the recording of the hallucinations end, I'm like, is he still in that room? You just don't know what's real mm. at all. And so he's, it tells Harlan to meet him at the lab. 
he wants to see if there was a Videodrome broadcast last night, if he's now on Videodrome, because he knows that that was recorded and maybe him and Nikki are going to be on the latest broadcast. So Mm -hmm. they go there and Harlan says there was no Videodrome broadcast last night. And Max seems confused by this. And then Harlan says, there's never a Videodrome broadcast. What? What? That's exactly exactly what Max says. (laughs) What are you talking about? And there's a knock on the door. In walks Barry Convex. And Harlan explains they've always been playing pre-recorded cassettes. Videodrome has never been transmitted on any... Um, like airwaves that these have all been pre-recorded things and that they've been targeting Max and Harlan has been basically undercover working for Barry this whole time. And because they wanted to get um, Max involved in this project, which is they basically want to stream Videodrome on Max's like nasty channel um, because they think that they can cleanse the world of people with those types of impulses because eventually video, the Videodrome tumor will like kill you. And so if they can get everybody, oh, it, it'll get everybody who wants, who that, wants shit that content to die, to die. Exactly. Oh my God. Got it. Got it. Okay. okay. So they're actually all about, they're like puritanical. Yes. They're against violence yes. and sex. And I guess these characters, one of these characters, I think Barry Convex is based on like a megachurch guy. They're like all based okay. on evangelical type of people. Yeah. They say that this TV station is rotting the world and you're going to help us like clean up the filth basically. And... They have some sort of control over him. I think Barry says, I want you to open up to me. And seems like Max has no control over this, but the gash in his stomach opens up. Oh, no, uh, not that again. Is his gun in there? We don't see the gun. Yeah, get, get the gun. Get the gun. <laughs> but um, they put a videotape in the gash as if it's like a VCR player. <sighs> They're putting a tape in there. And it looks like he's now under a spell of theirs, like he's not in control of his own actions anymore, it seems. And he's hearing their voices in his head, presumably from the tape that they've put in his body that's playing now within him. And it's saying, kill your partners and give us channel 83. Kill your partners and give us channel 83. And so he's stumbling out into an alleyway now on the way to his office. And then he yeah reaches into his jacket. I don't think we actually see him reach into the gash, but he pulls out the gun now. And uh, we see him staring at the gun in his hand and drills. These like screws come out of the back of the gun and start screwing through his thumb Ew. and into his veins as if the gun is basically melding itself to be part of his Uh. arm drilling into him and fusing with him. And he (sighs) walks into his office building and we see his hand is normal. He is holding the gun, but, um, you know, that's just showing us that that's a hallucination that's happening just for him. And 
He walks into his office building. He he opens the door to the boardroom where his two partners are, and he kills them both, shoots them. Oh, my God. And everybody in the office, obviously, screaming and it's chaos. And he's able to uh, run downstairs and he's back in the alleyway. And now he's hearing their voices again saying, kill Bianca Oblivion. She knows too much. And so he goes back to the uh, her office and finds her in there. And we see his hand holding the gun is now the flesh is like really fusing with the gun and it's getting huge. It's looking really like the, like the fly and uh, just very nasty looking. And Bianca says, I assume you're here to kill me. (laughs) And he says, I don't kill people. I run a TV station. He looks like genuinely confused by what she said. And she said, she says, you do now you're an assassin for Videodrome. They can program you. They can make you do what they, what they want. And again, he, he's looking like he's about to kill her, but also like he doesn't want to be, but he's just flat going back and forth between kind of being on a mission against his will and little flashes of him being like, what is happening? (laughs) And, she pops in a tape in a VCR of a TV there. And on TV, we see Nikki being killed. And she says they killed Oof. Nikki. And this is her attempt to kind of bring him back to her side by showing mm. him this really emotional thing that, um, you know, someone he cares about. We see her being killed. They said they, she, she says they killed her. A while ago, like as soon as she got there, but then they've been able to use her image to manipulate you since then. Uh. He's pointing the gun at the TV now, doesn't know what to do. And then from the TV, uh, looks like a hand holding a gun protrudes from the TV, pushes out of the TV again through that dental dam. Now looking very (laughs) phallic and that gun shoots him through the chest four times And then on the TV now is his chest looking real, like a fleshy TV bleeding from bullet holes. And uh, Bianca reaches in somewhere and pulls the tape out, basically like she was able to get the tape that's been controlling him out of him, deprogram him. Okay. So now she's, she's telling him, you know what you have to do now. You need to destroy Videodrome. It seems like she's kind of just reprogramming him for her causes Mm -hmm. now, her, what she wants. And she wants to destroy Videodrome. She says, death to Videodrome, long live the new flesh. And he uh, runs out now with a new mission to kill, you know, the people that created Videodrome. Mm. And as he does, we he stops by this TV store that all has the news playing, all with his mugshot on it. Max Wren wanted for murder. And Max Wren, 34. That kind of stopped me in my tracks. Same age. Oh, my. <laughs> yeah. That's how old I am. That's uh, does it sense. <laughs> I mean, I mean, hold on, hold on. Does he seem, am I in the movie? Does he seem a lot older? I feel like older movies, the actors always seem older. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And just because I'm familiar with James Woods as an old. As being an uh, old yeah, man. Yeah. So yes. it's, it was just jarring. I mean, truly, I associate James Woods with being 
Hades in my favorite movie, Hercules. Oh, of course. <laughs> Where you don't see him because it's animated, but... <laughs> he has really upsetting political views now. Oh, yeah? He has like oh, a huge Twitter presence. Yeah, that's what oh, he's like no. known for now, Bummer. is being a big, oh, God. big old Trump supporter. Yikes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no James. thanks. James, what the F... Why'd you do that? Huh? Why'd you do that, James? Why'd you have to do that, James? <laughs> oh. Oh, so now he goes back to Barry Convex's office with gun in hand. Or no, I think he's hidden the gun. He, his uh, plan is to seem like he's still under their influence so he can get in. And mm. uh, so he goes up to Harlan, basically says, I killed, I killed uh, my partners i killed bianca i've done everything you've asked like what's next and harlan pulls out another videotape it's like great i've got another tape for you open up and the gash opens up harlan goes to put a new tape in and the gash closes and harlan is pulling his hand looking scared like mm -hmm. what 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 and rips it out mm -hmm. and all of the flesh has come <gasps> off of harlan's arm yes. as just a bone it's just bone just bone just a bloody oh. bone and he's screaming are we to presume then the rest of his flesh is inside yeah, maxie's body so. just ate it up it's somewhere in the gun <clears throat> Um, but also the tape that he was trying to put in him was like a fleshy tape. Now it looks like on, it looked like funnel cake to me. <laughs> ew, 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 ew. And Harlan is running away from, uh, Max now screaming in pain and Harlan just explodes. <laughs> Max like <gasps> looks at him as if he wants him to explode and then he does. So not exactly sure what happened there, but Harlan's dead. Okay. Uh, now, could it be a hallucination or is that not happening to him it's anymore? It's really hard to say. Really hard to say. Yeah, okay. And so now Max goes to find Barry. Barry's giving a presentation at this big fancy gala. Max struts onto the stage with his gun, uh, shoots Barry a bunch of times. Barry basically... It is like torn in half, like his insides are pushing their way out of him. And he's Ew. it's really it looks really good. I mean, it's very gross, but it kind of reminded me of in The Matrix when Agent Smith splits in half, except practical and looks like really good. Yeah. Ooh, ooh. <sighs> so now Barry's dead. Max flees that crime scene as well and finds a kind of abandoned looking shipyard and goes on to a condemned vessel. Love that. Ah! Ooh, vessel. And he wasn't expecting a vessel in this movie. I know. Pleasantly surprised. I know. It's like a little tugboat and he's sitting there looking very distressed. What the fuck is happening? What do we, what do we do now? And there's a TV in there and it turns on and we see Nikki's face and I think he kind of turns to her like, I don't know what to do. I, I don't know what to do. And she says, of course, like you've you've done as much as you can at this point. You've hurt them, but you haven't destroyed them. Videodrome is big. Videodrome is a lot more than just two people. It's uh, going to take more than that. You're going to have to move on to the next phase. 
And she tells him, your body has begun to change the beginning of the new flesh. Uh, but now you need to go all the way. Total transformation. To become the new flesh, you have to release the old flesh. Don't be afraid to let your body die. She says, let me show you. And she shows him a video of him shooting himself in the head. Oh, great. And he sees that. And he says, we see back down on his hand now, his like nasty gun is uh, fused with his hand again, all big monstery looking, pulsing and gross. And he raises it to his head and he says, death to Videodrome, long live the new flesh, shoots himself in the head. And that's the end of the movie. <gasps> what? Hmm. What? Hmm. So I think Videodrome 2 could happen. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely room. There's room for a sequel. There's room for a sequel oh, I'm for full sure. Of ideas. Wait, okay. Oh, let me add it. Let me add it. <laughs> uh, what? Yeah, it's definitely. What? It's really happened? surreal and hard to say what. It feels to me like between a David Lynch movie and a and a, a regular studio film because it's. It, I was reminded of yeah. David Lynch kind of the whole time because you don't know what's real and it feels very dreamlike and it's doing that on purpose. This feels slightly more anchored in reality, but then obviously as it goes further, it becomes harder and harder to distinguish reality, which I think you know is the point that he's trying to make of the danger of technology and living our lives in other screens and how that does blur the lines of reality. And so I think, you know, that's very intentional. And again, I was just really struck by how relevant this movie felt to today. Like, I wonder at the time, people were probably even more like, what the fuck? Like, that's yeah. like, this is fucking crazy. Whereas now I'm kind of like, yeah, I get it. Like, that's, I feel that. <laughs> yeah, I feel all, it. All of the, especially there, they basically, in this movie, they invent deep fakes, mm-hmm. which I don't know if they it's invented here, but yeah. I mean, that's predicted deep fakes, which now, fool me, I, I'm fooled by a deep fake when it pops up on TikTok at first. And then I'm like, wait a minute, that's yeah. not, that's not Tom Cruise or <laughs> whatever. Um, and just the fact that you can use technology to, if you have enough recording of someone's voice, like someone could just use this podcast and then make oh it sound like, make it sound like we're saying that. It's true. It's true. Make it like we're sound like we're saying anything. And, and, you know, generate videos, generate photos that are fake. And I mean, it's a conversation we're going to have to keep having over and over with, with AI. And, and, and Mm -hmm. I I think about it a lot in documentary because, you know, recently there was that Anthony Bourdain documentary where they did recreate Mm, his voice and make make him say things he had never said. And that technology does already exist. And that's super, I mean, tempting as a documentary editor who spends so much time trying to like piece things to get like, I know that, you know, maybe this is frowned upon, but it's super, super normal that you Frankenbite things to like make it seem like someone said something that they yeah. didn't necessarily say. Even just like the little versions of that on like reality TV of, of like making it look like someone's facial reaction mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. based on a thing that happened when it's like not related mm-hmm. to that whatsoever. And we like yeah, create a full narrative based on disparate moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think in reality TV will be the f- the first on the lines to be 
yeah. making use of that technology. I'm sure they'll create some contract to be like, anything you say, we can pump into a little machine so that we can make you say yeah. anything else you want, anything else we because want. Because there's already contracts that's anything that you say or do can be edited to, to here, we can do in it any in any order. way. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's why people have such terrible like mental health crises after being on like The Bachelor and stuff because they get turned into full villains. Mm-hmm. And you just have no way of knowing if that's going to be Things get you. taken out of context all the time. Woo! And that's, that's just based on things that actually happened yeah. in theory. And then now it's a whole other universe. They yeah. really need to figure out a way to make that strictly... We just need to regulate this. Like the as yeah. the technology um, becomes more precise and harder to distinguish from a, as like a viewer whether it's real or not. Well, those are the kind of conversations that are happening now, like with the writers' strike and yeah, writers wanting guarantees that studios won't use AI to write scripts and that sort mm-hmm. of thing. It's certainly based off because the whole thing we've talked about this is like AI needs information in order to to do it. And so if they, if we can find a way to be like, you cannot put things I've created into AI um, and like to make that illegal somehow, as opposed to just, you know, please don't. <laughs> right. Which I'll just say right now, please, please don't, don't you take guys. this don't. podcast and, ma- and use it to... Do, do he, other things unless you make don't. us look and sound and seem really cool and smart <laughs> and and awesome. Yeah. You can use my voice and likeness to make me awesome. Unless it leads to a Peabody. <laughs> if we get a Peabody out of it, you can do it. Then you can fine. get us a Peabody. I'll take the Peabody. 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 <laughs> yeah, I mean, really, yeah. if you can make us a sound short. <laughs> you know take 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 what you will um best of luck to you give us some awards um but no it really is i was i have to write cover letters for job applications and i was talking to my dad today he was like let's use ai and i was like i know i'm so tired. i started a like, chat oh, gpt no. account and i mean yeah that's the thing and, and i get it there's shit i don't want to have to do right and cover letters especially are so stupid like is anyone even reading a cover letter like does that yeah. even happen so you're telling me i should use AI honestly yes <laughs> i think of all things i support chat gpt writing your cover letters okay uh, but <laughs> i think yeah this is like this movie will stay relevant forever because technology just increases and evolves further and further down the same path. And I'm sure 40 years from now, we'll live in an even more saturated, I mean, fingers crossed. (laughs) Fingers crossed. It's better than the alternative. I I have been saying the, you know, the midsummer thing of 72, that is 40 years from now for me. So see ya. Yep. Bye. Jumping off I'll, that cliff. I'll release Videodrome 2 and jump off a cliff. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Oh, but yeah. Um, how? Tell me how you guys feel versus other Cronenberg movies and other movies in general. Did you like it? Was I right that you don't feel horrible? You're right that I don't feel horrible. Yes. I, thought it was I don't know if I would say I liked it, but I didn't. I didn't. It didn't upset me. In the same way. In ways I expected it might. Yeah. Yeah. Especially considering that it involves so much like sexual violence. I thought that would be 
more upsetting, yeah. but it's done in a way that's pretty. I, I'm sure it'd be much more upsetting to see. It's not. Yeah. It's not great to see, but it does feel so like disconnected from no, anything real. No, I think it's like because it's so integral to the point that he's making feels like necessary. It feels yeah, yeah, less exploitative, and it's like no, that's literally the point that he's making, mm, and so mm-hmm, it's not mm-hmm, like a mm-hmm, flourish mm-hmm. in another film where it's like, ooh, isn't this wild? Yeah, it doesn't feel like gratuitous, it's like and co- it's very much commenting on that, and so it feels more necessary to um, mm-hmm. sh- show it. And I wouldn't, I, I it's not. It's not extremely gratuitous. You don't actually see anybody on Videodrome die. It's just, it is pretty, pretty quick images of it. But it, yeah, I think it, it works well. It's, it's a good, a good balance of torture. <laughs> nice little, <laughs> love a good balance. Nice little nuggets. Love um, it when torture is balanced. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, wow. I think it's my favorite Cronenberg film I've seen so far, but I'm excited to keep wow watching them it's it's also fun just seeing a director's how their like little trademarks change and things that they do similarly through each film so it's just kind of fun seeing someone's Mm. like full body of work pun intended bodies body working work on the bodies (laughs) um because this felt super familiar uh in terms of like this felt very close to crimes of the future to me at times. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, I watched Eastern promises, which feels way different, but I don't know. That's Vigo Mortensen. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Vigo's in in crimes of the future as well. I think I've seen Eastern promises violence. Yeah. It's, Oh no, I'm thinking of that's the one I really don't want to see. I've seen, I think I've seen history of violence next on my list. I don't want to do it. No, I don't think it's horror. We won't do it. Okay, great. And then enjoy yourself. <laughs> I will. Wow. Okay. So hey, we just, we're not we we off the list. Wasn't as bad. Wasn't as bad as I no. thought it'd be. No. No. I loved it. I really enjoyed it. And yeah, I mean, I'd say if you're scared of horror movies, as usual, the biggest thing with this one is the the gore. Certainly, a lot of very explicit effects, gross practical effects that look look great. If you can just think of the the artistry behind them, Rick Baker mm. and mm. the work that went into it, I feel like maybe that makes it a little more enjoyable. But otherwise, if gore is not your thing, probably probably want to skip this one. Yeah. I will be skipping. Yep. Um but we did it and we did. I think that's all. I think that's all we got for today, folks. That's it. Thank you, Sammy. That's we all love we got. You. Oh my god, a voice! I didn't even think about a voice. Mm. Should I try to do the trailer voice? Yeah, nineteen eighties trailer. Nineteen eighty six trailer voice. voice. Well, I kind of liked at the end of the trailer where they go Videodrome, Videodrome. <laughs> so I'll do that from all of us here at Too Scary Didn't Watch. Goodbye. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Too Scary Didn't Watch. If you like the show, 
please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You can follow us on social media at TSDW Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. And if one episode a week just is not enough for you, head on over to patreon.com slash TSDW Podcast to become a patron and receive all sorts of extra goodies from us, including bonus episodes, trailer reactions, and more. And no matter what, we will see you right here next week for another episode. We love you so much. Bye. That was a HeadGum Podcast.